his pursuers were gaining, so Jan van Eyck prodded the horse with a jab from his boots. The animal seemed to sense their quandary and increased his speed, blasting out each breath of the cool mountain air in a torrid wheeze. Jan was alone, being chased in terrain that was both unfamiliar and hostile. When he'd first spotted the moors, before midday, he'd counted nine on horseback. Two more had joined the chase since. The task he'd been sent to achieve was vital to his benefactor. Capture was not an option, so he urged the steed forward with a snap of the reins. He knew his ride well. A good horse, with quickness and intelligence, could and had succored him many times. When ill, a horse was cared for with more wisdom than was vouchsafed to most Christian denizens. Horses were the means whereby kingdoms flourished, and the coursers, the palfreys, and especially the destriers responded to affection with an unmatched loyalty. He knew of one knight who returned home from war and was not recognized by his betrothed, but was instantly embraced by his faithful stallion. He stared ahead. Jagged, snow-topped mountains rose all around him. To the west, like a sphinx on the desert plain, a svelte peak stood detached, its upper folds sheathed in silvery white, another spur of the pointed Pyrenees shadowed far behind it. He did not need to stop and listen to know that hooves were beating across the meadow behind him. He'd wanted to make his way north unnoticed. It was a mere two-day ride from Torme, on the Spanish side of the mountains, to Lazias on the French side. The refurbishing of the ancient town into a new fortress had only recently been completed, and he knew its presence, so close to the border, was a source of friction to the Moors. Though Navarre and Aragon both were in Christian hands, Moors still freely roamed northern Spain. Slowly, the Reconquista was driving the Arabs southward. Castles and towns were being regained every year. Eventually, surely, the Moors would be forced to board ships and return to Africa, ending six hundred years of occupation. But in the meantime, they continued to spoil churches, sack convents, and waylay travelers, especially those who ventured too far south and dared to cross the Pyrenees. His mind flashed to the warriors behind him. Moor meant simply dark, and the deep olive of their skin stood in stark contrast with the loose-fitting white tunics, the colorful turbans, and the scarfs that draped their necks in a kaleidoscope of silken thread. They were a brutal lump, a clear menace, and he did not want to face their crescent-shaped scimitars or their mounted archers. He'd been expecting volleys of arrows, but the pursuit so far had been through thick stands of fir and pine, so clear shots had been unobtainable. He hated archers. A true warrior should only come to battle with an axe and sword in hand. What had the poet said? Coward was he who was the first archer. He allowed his attention to switch from the ground to the route ahead, relying on his horse to make sure the footing was true. A blast of crisp wind swept through a nearby cleft and slowed his progress. The trees around him began to change, the firs diminishing, towering pines now dominating. Each trunk reached audaciously toward heaven, many twisted as if in pain, most bereft of limbs. He winced. There would now be more opportunities for the archers. The horse slowed and twisted a path through the pines, avoiding granite boulders and leaving a clear trail across dainty Edelweiss. 
A stillness wrapped the dusky forest. The musty scent of twigs and boughs filled his nostrils. Above, the sun was warm, the clouds low, which meant rain might eventually become his ally. But for now, any storm was too far away to be of assistance. He stopped the horse and risked a look behind him. No one was in sight. He tried to listen for some sound that might betray the moor's presence. But the clicking of grasshoppers interfered. He emerged from the trees and found a path leading eastward. A signed paper in his saddlebag certified that he was the duly authorized representative of Philip the Good, the reigning Duke of Burgundy. By trade, he was an artist, Philip's court painter. But by service, he was a spy in the employ of the Duke. His current mission had taken him into Spain on a reconnoiter of local roads and territories. His attention to depth and detail, his skill and accuracy with pen and brush, was what distinguished his art. The Duke liked to say that his visual cunning was unmatched. But unlike his paintings, where the real world only inspired what he represented, when on a covert mission what he produced had to be an exact match. On this trip, he'd sketched valuable maps that led to important mountain passes, all vital to any army in the future.